0: I wonder if we could start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, as we uh, finish our study of the book of 2 Chronicles, we thank you, first of all, for enlightening us with your holy word, for reminding us of some of the details of the history of your church and your people, and enable us to apply this also to our lives and to guard our lives and our doctrine closely, as Paul um, enjoined Timothy to do. We pray that you would do all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So I'm actually completing two books of the Bible today. It's kind of a big day for me because uh, four hours ago, I ended my devotions on the book of Numbers after more than a year. And uh, so uh, that's uh, pretty cool. A week ago, I put an order in for... um, uh, printing 50 copies of my commentary on Luke. So that'll be available for sale to anybody who wants one. It's certainly not required by, for, by any stretch of the imagination. However, it is almost 1,200 pages long. So I had to do it in four volumes. So it's $60 for the whole thing so that uh, Mr. Ring can... Um, be compensated for uh, printing. So it's for me, it's the cost of the book per spine um, and so forth. Chapter 35 is not all that long. Chapter 36 will enable us to go through uh, uh, Israel's March Madness, which is the final four uh, of, the, of the kings of Judah. But first of all, we're in Josiah celebrating the Passover. Chapter 35... Josiah celebrated a Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem. They slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the first month, just like it's supposed to be done. He appointed the priests to their offices. He encouraged them in the service for the house of the Lord. So the sort of the crowning achievement of Josiah's restoration of worship is we'll do the Passover. And do you notice in Chronicles that, you know, when 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 Grandpa was a good king, Dad was a dirty, rotten scoundrel, and then grandson reinstates. It's often the Passover. That's the big scene of the reinstatement. It is here as well. And Josiah said to this to the Levites who were taught who taught all Israel and who were holy to the Lord. And the first this verse is vital to a lot of understanding a lot of things in Scripture. If you could remember, 2 Chronicles 35.3. Can you keep that in your head? Because 35.3 answers two big questions. Uh, um, it's a fascinating verse. First of all, what did the Levites do when they weren't in the temple? What does it say here that they were doing? Teaching. Yeah, they were teaching. There are more verses than this one that say that, but this would be a convenient one to remember because it has another significance. So 35.3, the Levites taught all Israel. And I, I picture the Levites then as being the local guy who lived in your town and not exactly the same as having a pastor because there's a different relationship with their priestly clergy, but he would be who the kids go to for their religious teaching. So it would be like having a pastor in that they would go to I'll say Wednesday night catechism class or something like that. That's probably what they were doing with these Levites. They would gather the children of the town around and the Levite would, and because reading and writing were intimately connected with their worship life, it would probably be the Levite who taught them to read and write and so forth. Um, and I know that in, in, the, uh, in um, early 19th century England, School teachers were paid three different levels, um, according to what their chil- what the child because it was a one room schoolhouse, right? And however many children they had, they were they were it was it was I'll, I'll just it was probably twopence uh, a uh, a month or whatever it was for readers. The little kids would learn to read, but they might not learn to write yet. So they would get fourpence for a writer. So the children who are beginning to learn their letters and how do I write now, not just read, but actually write. And sixpence was for counters when they would get to learn math. Um, and some teachers would get in trouble for teaching math to kids who, who hadn't paid for it yet. You know, from their supervisors and things like that. You have stories of teachers being whipped the same way that they would whip their children, the teacher might get whipped from the supervisor for not charging the child for what they were learning. Like that. You mean the Levites? Um, no, the scribes would have done that. But uh, that's a classification of a Levite. Yeah, but, but very similar, very similar. <coughs> Verse 3, part B, the paragraph break on the screen Uh, And I'm going to just say, earlier, remember me hemming and hawing over what happened to the Ark of the Covenant? Like, I was not really ready to say, because there there are stories here and there. We pointed out the last time we heard anything directly about the Ark was in Solomon's time. Um, And therefore, people speculate that a pharaoh like Shishak may have removed it from Egypt. But here it is. It shows up in this verse. That's the other reason to memorize 35.3 at least the reference, if not the, the actual text of the verse. Certainly, this wouldn't be a good confirmation passage. Um, <laughs> Keep the holy ark in the house built by Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. Do not carry it on your shoulders anymore. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. So, um, if this is a reference to this same Ark of the Covenant... And I think that it probably is. Although if the ark were stolen, could they have built a new one? Maybe. It would make sense, in fact. That that would have been my preference if I were Moses' successor or David's successor would be, oh, they ripped us off, and just like they rebuilt everything else, well, what is the Ark of the Covenant but a chest with a cover that sits in the Holy of Holies that we sprinkle? You know uh, the blood on, and yeah, they stole the Ten Commandments. But we could put another copy in. After all, was it the original Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant? No, it was copy number two. And so, but it did have a jar of manna and Aaron's staff. But you know, they, they got stolen. Maybe so. This could have been the original. Could have been a copy. But it also they also say do not carry it on on your shoulders anymore. So. Why would you say that? Were they moving it around? Well, we kind of don't know. In in David's time, all kinds of stuff was going on with the ark that was inappropriate and improper. And they were using a wagon and so forth. This thing about carrying it on your shoulders, though, if you can imagine the, the poles, and that's about where I would like to carry the ark or something that heavy. You know, gold and lead weigh the same. And uh, that's a mighty heavy thing. Um, You know, you take the average casket at a funeral and uh, what did we say, quadruple the weight and there you've got about the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, so a heavy thing. And uh, why would they have been moving it around? Well, remember Josiah's father was Ammon. You know, he had bad King Manasseh and badder King Ammon and Maybe and it could it could very well be that Ammon had removed the Ark of the Covenant if it was still there and put in some false god or whatever in 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 there. Um and we did get a reference to a terrible uh statue of some kind that I, I said I was glad we don't have more information about it, because I really don't want to know. Um and uh and it could have been that too. So they could have been carrying it around on their shoulders. Um But the Lord now says, no, put it back and leave it there. Put it back, leave it there. Verse 4, prepare yourselves according to your divisions by your father's house, as instructed by David, king of Israel, and his son Solomon. So the priests and Levites had divisions, 24 priestly divisions. Take up your positions in this holy place with a group of Levites assigned to each father's house of your brother's, People of Israel, part of a father's house of the Levites is assigned to each group. What does that mean? What just God said? Well, it seems like each family of Israelites got its own Levites assigned to them. So if we're all from the tribe of which I Simeon, I just throw one out there. Um, we would be assigned a particular Levitical Levite family who would serve us regarding the Passover. So who do we take our Passover lambs to? Find our Levite and we go to talk to him. And at a gigantic celebration like this one, that would help. Because where is our Levite? You know, what corner of the temple? Where do we go? It's all just a mishmash, and you know, it's it's a massive mob of people. Well, all we have to do is go find our Levite. And, and by the way, they have banners and we have banners. So it's really a matter of looking for your flag. Oh, slaughter the Passover lamb. And I like how they keep using the singular because it's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands. But the, your lamb. Consecrate yourselves. Prepare it for your brother Israelites according to the word of the Lord through Moses. Josiah contributed a total of 30,000 lambs and young goats as Passover, Passover offerings for all the people who were present and 3,000 cattle. These were contributed from the possessions of the king. His officials contributed toward a voluntary offering on behalf of the people, the priests, and the Levites. Why would they go for um, young goats instead of lambs in some cases? Um Okay, cheaper is a possibility. But I don't think that was on Josiah's mind. You I mean of, of the goats? Yeah. I have a different thought. It's the opposite of that. I, with 30,000, they might have been in danger of running out of lambs. You know, you don't want to completely decimate your sheep population in one festival. Um, so maybe you might want to just introduce some goats some kids, you know, so people have something to eat. That's, you know, that, that's my thought there. Um, but they, they obviously had prophets and priests who were, you know, asking the Lord about this and getting permission and so forth. So whatever it was, it was okay for them to do that. They were contributed from the possessions of the king. His officials contributed toward a voluntary offering on behalf of the people, the priests, and the Levites, and some names here. Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, the chief officers of the house of God, gave the priests 2,600 lambs for Passover offerings and 300 cattle. Konaniah and his brothers Shemaiah and Nethanel and Heshabiah, GL, and Josabad, the officials of the Levites, contributed 5,000 Passover lambs and 500 cattle to the Levites. This reminds me of when there's a funeral and there's that little card in the kitchen of who brought uh, cake and who brought donuts and who brought you know, the, the little goodies and stuff like that. They're just keeping track of who brought things um, to thank them and to have a record of it. When preparations for the service had been completed, the priests stood in their places and the Levites stood in their divisions as the king had commanded, they slaughtered the Passover lambs The priests applied the blood they had received, while the Levites skinned the animals. Normally, it would be the worshiper who would skin the animal and so forth. The Levites are doing it here. Well, they haven't done it for a while. And I think for efficiency and time, the Levites are just there. Here, We'll just take care of it. You know, you move over to station B to get your lunch. You know, (laughs) come into station A and we'll take care of the lamb. You see that your lamb has been sacrificed. The blood is spattered. Now the Levite will take care of this. And now you go over there and wait in line. Here's your cup for your Kool-Aid and so forth. And you just wait. And, uh, and, and, and you know, I, I, it sounds to me like things went pretty efficiently when you have things being assigned to different groups. It makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm picturing big, Big, big church picnics and community picnics when I was a kid where the same kind of thing used to happen in in my family um, and in my town. They set aside the burnt offerings to present them on behalf of the groups of fathers' houses of the people to offer them to the Lord as is written in the book of Moses. They did the same with the cattle. It also could be that the goats were just burnt offerings and they weren't eaten, you know, but I'm not sure about that. They roasted the Passover lamb with fire according to the regulations. They boiled the holy offerings in pots, kettles, and pans. They distributed, them, they distributed them quickly to all the people. How were the Passover lambs prepared? We got two here, right? Two variations. What are the two possibilities for how the meat got cooked? Boiled and roasted. roasted and boiled. Yeah, roasted and boiled. And boiled in a lot of different varieties here. Pots, kettles, and pans. They had a lot of different things. We'll use them all. Um, do you remember something about the boiling meat way on the other end of the book and some naughty boys? Do you remember that? There were some young priests, the sons of, the, of, of somebody pretty important, who were... Telling people, don't boil the meat. We want it only roasted. And then they would all, because usually they would, you'd throw in your hook or your, your, your fork and pull out, and whatever you pulled out is what you get. But they were saying, we, we don't want it boiled. We want ours just roasted or whatever. And, and uh, now it seems like they were doing both. Um, but uh, um, it was evidently permitted, and they distributed them quickly to all the people so there wasn't a delay in this. Um, it was all happening on the correct day. And afterward, they made preparations for themselves and for the priests. Because the priests, the descendants of Aaron, were busy offering the burnt offerings and the fat portions until it was nighttime. So the Levites prepared for themselves and for the priests, the descendants of Aaron. The, the Levites now are the cooks. They're working at you know, at the grill or whatever. And the singers, the descendants of Asaph, were in their places according to the command of David Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, the king's seer, David's three singers. The gatekeepers at each gate did not need to leave their assigned posts because their brother Levites prepared the Passover for them. So the the, the priestly gatekeepers didn't have to walk to the temple. They could just stay there and they would bring them their, do you imagine, a styrofoam plate (laughs) or whatever. Um, So all the service for the Lord was prepared on that day to celebrate the passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the lord according to the command of king josiah the people of israel who were to present celebra- who were present i'm sorry celebrated the passover at that time and also the festival of unleavened bread for 7 days that unleavened bread festival happened the week immediately following the passover no passover like it had been celebrated in israel since the days of samuel the prophet Another way of saying since the time of the judges. So, not even Solomon's Passover was like this Passover. That's saying something. If this outdid Solomon, that's really, really saying something. None of the kings of Israel had celebrated such a Passover as Josiah did with the priests and the Levites, and with all Judah and Israel, whoever was present, and with the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This Passover was celebrated in the 18th year of the reign of Josiah. So a famous, famous celebration. He's done cleaning up the, 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 the country. Simeon, Judah, Ephraim, Manasseh, Zebulun got brought into this and uh, destroying the false images and so forth. Uh, the temple is restored. The ark is back in place and Passover. But then what happens immediately after this? Josiah's death, which probably surprised everyone. I mean, and I mean everyone. Here's a good king who's restoring everything to Israel, and the Lord calls him home. Uh, So after all this, when Josiah had restored the house, Neco, king of Egypt, is uh, Nek. I forget. Are there four pharaohs whose names are actually given in Scripture? It's Neco. Hophra, So, and another one. Uh, probably an easy one that I'm forgetting. But anyway, the four pharaohs whose names are given. about Nico is one of them. Nico of Egypt went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to confront him. Nico was going to join the Assyrians in what was to be a campaign of Assyria and its allies against the upstart Babylonians. And Carchemish, which is way, way up north, was the last Egyptian outpost. It was shared by Egypt and, and Assyria. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, this is what Niko looked like. That's a bronze statue of Nico, Uh Pretty cool statue. We also happen to know that this certainly is Nico. Because his name is inscribed on the back of the statue on the belt. So kind of cool. Uh, uh, there he is. I used to write my name on my wallet and things like that, and my baseball glove, and he wrote his in his belt. Nico sent messengers to him, that is to Josiah saying, what do we have to do with each other, King of Judah? I am not against you this day, but only against the house against which I am waging war. That is, the Babylonians. God has said that I should hurry. Stop opposing God who is with me, so he will not destroy you. So, Nico was inv- invoking God, um, probably the true God. Nico knows who Josiah worships, Nico knows what just happened in Judah. However, Josiah did not turn aside from him, instead, he disguised himself to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Nico, which were from the mouth of God. But he went out to battle on the plain near Megiddo. Uh, how much of the map can you see? Most of it there? Is That pretty good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, so you see the, uh, the explosions. There are three of them. One way up at Carchemish, the other one up in Haran, and down at Megiddo. Megiddo is southwest. Of the Sea of Galilee on the valley called the Ezra Elan Valley. It's really a, a, a fortress on the um, eastern slope of what ends up being um, Mount Carmel um, as it juts out into the, into the Mediterranean Sea there. Megiddo overlooks the only good mountain, or the only good pass through that part of Israel. Um, and therefore, it's been said, I, don't, I haven't done the math myself, but it's been said that more battles have been fought at Megiddo than any other location on earth, which in some cases is really saying something. But at Megiddo particular, uh, particularly, um, uh, 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 the mountain of Megiddo, uh, the, the hill on which it's called in Aramaic would be Armageddon. So Armageddon comes from this location, And uh, this is where Josiah goes to fight. The route of the Egyptians going to help the Assyrians is in red. And you see the um, uh, 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 up in the top, you see a green set of lines, two different lines. Those are actually the Assyrians, or I'm sorry, the Babylonians and some others who are the Medes and the Persians, or the Medes and the another group. I'm sorry, not the Persians yet but they were going to help um, the Babylonians go to first Haran where they won a victory and then Carchemish where they won a victory. And I'm just going to um, spoil this for you. Uh, the Egyptians and the Assyrians lost. This is the fall of Assyria, Battle of Carchemish, um, 6, uh, 605 BC. And after this is, the, this is the battle in which Babylon became the power of the, of the world. The new rising world power. Um, so Nebuchadnezzar uh, the second was there. His dad was king at this point, but he was the the, the younger guy who was going to become king was there in the battle at uh, Carchemish and would come down later to other battles. Uh, along uh, 22 years later, um, when he finally became king of of uh, Babylon, but that's not for quite a while yet. So the archers shot Josiah. Uh, so the king said to his attendants, take me away because I'm badly wounded. Um, so uh, this picture is probably incorrect. We were told that he was disguised. So probably as an ordinary soldier or an, can I say an ordinary general or whatever, he wasn't wearing the gold of a king or, or whatever you have. He had some other outfit on, but they, he shot nevertheless. You see him dropping his shield there. That's not the wheel of the chariot Also, I'm not so sure about this chariot, although there were chariots like this in use at the time. Um, Chariots were most often used not to fight from, but for quick transportation. Um, It's really around this time that chariots were beginning to be converted for for battle use, Um, but that was kind of a new thing. They had been used for a long time. Pharaoh in the book of Exodus Is riding in a chariot, but not to fight from. Um, uh, uh, Pharaoh um, Thutmose III was riding in a chariot just to get quickly from A to B. It was more of a limousine. So Josiah is shot. His attendants took him out of the chariot and carried him to his second chariot and brought him to Jerusalem. So was the first chariot broken or was it needed for something else or was the second chariot longer so he could get a... He could lay down on it or something like that. I don't know. Um, but brought him back to Jerusalem and he died. He was buried in the tombs of his fathers. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Sure, he was a great king. a Marvelous king, 18 year reign. Uh, maybe 19 by this time. But uh, then we're told that Jeremiah, the prophet, this is that Jeremiah, composed a lament for Josiah and all the male and female singers have sung about Josiah in their laments right up until the present day. They made this into a customary practice in Israel. You can find them recorded among the laments, except that we don't have them anymore. Not these laments. The book of Lamentations, also, I believe, written by Jeremiah, um, is about the fall of Jerusalem not, and, and, the, and the exile, not about the death of Josiah. So, it doesn't even have any verses that could be applied to the death of the king. It's something entirely different. But um, so the, the laments about King Josiah were evidently lost, maybe in the exile or after it. Um, not exactly sure what happened and why, but not every song makes it into the new hymnal, so some things get lost along the way. The rest of the acts of Josiah and his faithful deeds, which were performed according to what is written in the law of the Lord, uh, and his actions from first to last. You can find these written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Orleans, Minnesota.